0: Hey there, podcast listeners. Since the time of recording this episode, we've changed our name to be Truist Leadership Institute. You can learn more about this podcast and about the Truest Leadership Institute by visiting us on the web at truestleadershipinstitute.com. And now, back to the episode. Welcome to Leadership Amplitude, a podcast production of the bb Leadership Institute. I'm your host, Honest Slayton. And together, we'll take a deep dive into leadership development and team optimization, but not just in theory. We'll be looking for those tips and tools that you can apply the very next time you're in your office so that you can make little changes that yield big results. We're joined by Dr. Steve Swavely from the BB&T Leadership Institute. We'll be going through a four-part series that focuses on employee engagement, specifically the missing links of employee engagement that you've probably not heard before. We'll also be identifying some strategies to improve your employees engagement that you can start using right away thank you so much for joining us steve
1: Uh oh, it's a pleasure to be here and you know i'm talking about one of my favorite things that's engagement i think it's really important for leaders to understand employee engagement and um, i really enjoy talking about the research and what's going on in this area
2: can you help us understand the, the term engagement and why it, leaders should even be caring about that. Yeah,
1: why, why you even care about engagement, yeah. sure. You know, well, the importance of employee engagement in, in the workplace was really first brought into focus by the Gallup folks at the Gallup organization. And they've been conducting an ongoing study for, it's been over a decade now, that examines engagement in the U.S. workforce. And their findings have identified and tracked three groups of American workers. The first group is a group that they call the actively engaged. And these are the folks in your organization that are self-starters. They're willing to go the extra mile. They give discretionary effort. Essentially, they're going to do whatever it takes to get the job done. And this group makes up only about a third of the U.S. workforce. In fact, the actual figure is about 33%. And then there's a second group that the Gallup called the not engaged. And I love that term because it really describes what this group is all about. These are the folks that are doing just enough to get by. They're going to do what's expected of them, nothing more and nothing less. And this group accounts for about half the U.S. workforce. Half? Yeah. Half
2: of the workforce is just doing enough to get by? Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, just pause and think about that for a second. But the good news is that this group represents a great opportunity for those leaders that can figure out how to tap into them and move them into that actively engaged group.
2: So my heart stopped at 50% because that, when you think about what that means in terms of productivity, like that is not only a lot of very unhappy people, but that's a huge loss in terms of financial well-being for companies when when half of their workforce is just doing enough to get by like that just blows my mind but what i'm hearing for you is don't don't panic that even though that's where they are right now that they're in a place where they can actually be kind of invested in and moving them into that first category which i think you called actively engaged
1: yeah that's that's spot on and and really you know to do that it it takes leadership and that's a key to, to managing engagement as, as we'll see as we, as we unpack this whole concept of okay. employee engagement. And, and you know, Anna, there's a, there's a final group as well and
2: it's like 16%, right? If, am I doing my math right? That's, yeah, <laughs>
1: that's exactly right. 16%. And these are called the actively disengaged. These are the employees that are either overtly or covertly trying to sabotage the efforts of the organization. Wow. Yeah, they're your disgruntled employees, and they're the employees who I like to say they've quit, but they haven't left yet. They stick around and try to spread their poison. Wow. While that number of 16% may seem relatively small, just consider this for a moment. It's estimated that each actively disengaged employee can infect seven others with their discontent.
2: So it is downright infectious.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it represents an organizational cancer that really I don't think any leader can afford to not consider or to not pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, if those percentages were not disheartening enough as it was, and if that didn't grab your attention as a leader, here's another critical finding from the research that, that every leader needs to be aware of. On, You know what the number one reason employees identified as their reason for disengagement?
2: I... I'm gonna go with the money they they're not feeling like they're being paid enough,
1: yeah, that's exactly what we hear when we ask leaders what do you think is the reason for disengagement? And typically, the response is well they want they want more money, and while money's certainly important, that is not the number one reason. Oh, it's not no what the Gallup data show is that the number one reason is that people report a bad relationship with their boss.
2: So, what would that look like? That they're cared about, or
1: yeah, well, it's 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 a couple things. It's it's those those disengaged folks identify themselves as feeling like that their boss doesn't care about them as a person, or that their boss hasn't acted with their best interests at heart. And I think the biggest one is that these folks identify themselves as believing that their boss is not really invested in the relationship between them.
2: So really, that relationship between the the leader and the employee is even more important than how much money they're getting paid or how good the benefit package is. That right there, which is within their ability to make positive changes in is even more important than boosting their salary or or getting those better benefits.
1: Well, you, you hit on something really important, which is that, yeah, very frequently as a leader in an organization, I don't have any control over... What the salaries are; those are kind of dictated from the top. But as a leader, I do have control over my relationship with my people, and and that's a that's a very important point, as we'll see as we dig down into some of the engagement data that look at how do we improve
2: engagement. What are the benefits?
1: Well, yeah, the, there's some pretty good research on identifying what are the specific benefits of of higher engagement, and. One of them is reduced turnover, keeping your best employees from jumping ship and going to work for your competition. That's a benefit right there that, uh, should be enough to make employee engagement every company's number one initiative.
2: You certainly don't want to train associates that just go to your competition, <laughs> especially when training can be, you know, it's expensive. Exactly.
1: Yeah. The, you know, the costs of losing a good employee are, they're massive. Another benefit is that. Uh, engaged employees are much more sensitive to customer needs and they're going to take better care of your customers that mm-hmm. are spending money in your business yeah. and then there's also increased productivity those engaged folks are much more productive in fact you can you can chart the level of productivity within an organization just by charting their level of engagement as engagement goes up so does productivity and vice versa
2: so, making those little changes it sounds like can really have a direct impact on the overall organization's bottom line
1: and and that's one of the clear benefits of investing in engagement in your organization is increased revenue and you know when you're maximizing productivity and you're increasing sales by improving customer satisfaction your your revenue is going to go up but it it's not just increased revenue but also increased profits you know we know that. Increasing revenue is not enough. If, if as a business owner it costs me $10 to increase revenue by $5, well, that's, that's not good. That's not good. (laughs) Don't do that. But studies show that there's a really clear return on investing in employee engagement that hits the bottom line in a, in a really very positive way. A host of other benefits to a highly engaged workforce, things that when you hear them, you go, yeah, that makes sense. Things Mm -hmm. like reduced legal costs. Um, a more satisfying work environment for everyone, being identified as the employer of choice, which makes attracting great talent much easier. Then there's also the increased potential for greater creativity, just just to name a few.
2: So can you kind of paint the picture of of what the Leadership Institute is doing that's different from others out there that are already kind of working in engagement?
1: Yeah, sure. I, you know, I, I think the, the BB&T Leadership Institute's approach to engagement, it really, it builds off the great work that's been done by Gallup, but it, it takes it to the next level by providing what I call a prescriptive approach. To explain what I mean by that, let me, let me start with our definition of engagement and then talk a little about our, our model of engagement. We define engagement as enthusiasm for and dedication to Work that leads employees to enjoy performing at their very best, so it's not about getting the most out of people by burning them out or running them into the ground. It's about helping them get to a place where they really enjoy the work and they enjoy giving you that discretionary effort. We've developed an engagement model that begins with the alignment of purpose, and what I mean by that is it's it's aligning three things. We're lining what the employee's good at, what they love doing, and what the organization needs. Leaders have to really get deep into their employees' beliefs. This, there's a, there's a very well-known concept of, in, in psychology, and it's this idea that our beliefs create behaviors that give us the results that we see. And so if we want to change engagement, we want to change a person's behaviors, we've got to look at what are the beliefs that are either Promoting engagement or getting in the way of engagement. And that's what this model does. If you could imagine a graph, and the vertical axis represents a measure of a person's beliefs surrounding what we call rational commitments to work. And the horizontal axis represents a measure of their beliefs as related to emotional commitments to work. And those rational factors on that vertical axis of the model represent employee beliefs such as For example, um, I believe I know what I need to do to be successful in my job. I believe I have the freedom to do the work as I see fit. And the question is, do your employees believe those things to be true and how strongly? Mm. And then there's the emotional factors on that horizontal axis, which represent beliefs such as, I believe what I do in my job is important. I believe my efforts are being valued by my manager. When we first began talking about this model, we'd get asked, well, you know, how do you measure them? We said, well, that's a, that's a great question. And so we've over the last couple of years have developed a tool to measure an employee's beliefs around those two factors mm-hmm. and where those two factors intersect on that graph. They can be plotted and this provides a picture of employee engagement for, for leaders to begin to understand what's going on in their organization. We know that, for example, employees that score low on both the rational and the emotional measures, well, they're going to fall in the bottom left corner of that graph. They'd be described as being in that actively disengaged group that the Gallup folks talk about. They're the folks that have quit, but they stick around to infect others with their negative beliefs.
2: I think the word you used was they were a cancer that cannot be afforded. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly
1: right. Yeah. We also will have... By using this tool, the capacity to identify employees that score high on one of the factors, but not the other.
2: Okay.
1: And this would represent kind of taking that not engaged category and breaking it into two groups. Okay. And again, remember, this is the group that they're doing just enough to get by. On our model, the two types of employees that fall into that group are measured by the rational versus the emotional factors. If they score high on the rational factor, but low on the emotional, They'll fall in the top left quadrant of that graph. These are what we call consistent performers. They're consistent, but not necessarily giving you their very best. You might say they're consistently mediocre. And then in contrast, we have those employees that score high on the emotional factors, low on the rational. These are what we call the committed performers. They fall in that lower right quadrant of the graph. They're emotionally committed to the mission of the team or the organization, but They believe that there's a lack of clarity or lack of direction or some sense of autonomy is missing in their ability to achieve the mission that they're that they're so passionate about.
2: So it sounds like that is that group that is at highest risk of um, moving on to a competitor and getting what they're missing to move into the, the area where they're at peak performance. That this is where that reten- employee retention benefit comes into play.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, when that happens and you you lose that employee to your competition and they get what's missing in your organization somewhere else, now they become a high performer in organizations that are not competing you. against you. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
2: Gotcha. Exactly
1: right. Yeah, And, of course, our goal is to develop a workforce that scores high on both those rational and emotional factors, mm-hmm. you know, employees that that fall into that top right quadrant of the graph, this is what we call devoted performers. These are the employees that are operating at that actively engaged level of performance, which by our definition are those employees that that have that enthusiasm for their work and their dedication to it.
2: So let's dive a little bit deeper into the actual measurement of those two factors.
1: Yeah, well, as I said earlier, what we're measuring there are people's beliefs. And as we'll talk about in some detail in later sessions of this podcast, these beliefs are made up of six very specific drivers of engagement. Three of them are on the rational side of that model and the other three are on the emotional side of the model. The tool that we've developed is a tool that will help us measure them in a way that we can provide very specific feedback to a leader about each of the drivers. What this does is it allows them to know where to focus their resources that they want to dedicate to increasing engagement. So this model goes beyond just providing the leader with an engagement number. It gives them information on which drivers of engagement might need bolstering. And just as important, where might they already be doing a great job?
2: Okay. So kind of knowing what, what is not broken that doesn't need to be changed, that is being effective, but then knowing where your growth areas are. So that you can uh, make those changes to really improve it.
1: Precisely.
2: So, Steve, one of the other things I've heard you talk a lot about that I wanted to make sure we talked about today is this idea about missing links. Because what we know about the research is that even though people have been talking about engagement and trying to make changes in engagement for the last decade or so, that the numbers are not showing a shift people are trying to make changes but it's it's not showing up in the numbers so can you tell me about why you think that is happening
1: yeah sure absolutely and you're absolutely right it's you know we've been focusing on this for a decade now and as you say the shifting is just not happening the the numbers just are they they might be moving in the right direction but they haven't really moved significantly enough to make a difference mm-hmm. and we believe there's three reasons for that first a poor understanding of the concept of engagement and motivation by business leaders. And we're going to be talking much more about that in our next session.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: A second related factor that I think is an important missing link is that there really is a very limited awareness of the core drivers of engagement in the work setting. You know, I mentioned that there were, there are six drivers that we've identified as important in engagement. Those are coming from neuroscience. Mm-hmm. You know, today neuroscience is helping us in a tremendous way uncover what are the important aspects of engagement we have this technology that allows us to actually watch the brain think and process information
2: yeah
1: and and that's helping us understand a little bit more about what's going on in the brain of an engaged versus a not engaged person and a lot of that science is now filtering down into our capacity to have impact on engagement in the work setting some fascinating stuff and we'll talk more about that in session three And then the third missing link, I think we've been trying to solve the engagement problem with only half of the equation. And the experience that we've gained over a decade of hindsight to reflect on, along with that information that's coming out of neuroscience and what we're learning about engagement can be really helpful here. And we're going to discuss this missing link, that part of that engagement equation that we've not been paying attention to in session four. And and I think by the end of session four that listeners are going to have a much more accurate view of the steps needed to take engagement of their teams to the next level. And as you said in the beginning of the podcast, to really have some tools to be able to begin reaping more benefits of engagement that we've uh that we talked about earlier today.
2: Well, that all sounds wonderful, Steve. I can't wait to kind of process through and start unpacking more of this um and finding out what we can do about it. I know next episode, you said we'll be diving into motivation and pulling in some psychology um, and talking more about how motivation and engagement works.
1: Yeah, and some of the misperceptions that people have about it.
2: Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Steve Swavely for joining us. Thanks to our listeners for listening,
0: and we look forward to our next episode.
1: It's a pleasure being here. Thank you.
0: Hey there, podcast listeners. Look for us on the web at www.bbtleadershipinstitute.com for today's show notes or for additional information about the BB&T Leadership Institute. And if you like this podcast, check out the BB&T Leadership Series, an interview series hosted by Kelly King, chairman and CEO of BB&T, featuring inspiring thought leaders like Dan Pink, John O'Leary, and Sean Acor. Watch it now at bbt.com slash leadership series. Thanks again for listening and join us for another episode of Leadership Amplitude. Copyright 2018 by the BBT Leadership Institute. All rights reserved.